When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. What's up, guys? Welcome into another episode of Football and Random Things. I'm Connor Ferguson, Jeff Woody, Colin Newell with me, uh, as always. Um, and before we get started here, got to tell you about Wiffles Hybrids, the greatest independent company on the planet focused solely and intensely on corn. There's not a better hybrid solution out there for you. How's that? That's well done. It's a little short, but I didn't have to. I I only had five minutes of prep time because you texted me and said you were going to be five minutes late. Yeah, I. I, It was well done. If I'm Wiffles Hybrids, I'm. I'm ecstatic. Ecstatic. Yeah. Yeah. Thrilled. Wiffles, tell Chris I need a race. How about that? (laughs) We'll work together here. Okay. How How about the Cyclones? Oh man, winning's fun. Winning is fun. That offensive line. Boy, running the up, running the rock. We got 214 yards. That what it was. Don't even need football pants to uh, beat TCU. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the best look Just of the whole weekend. Buck naked from the waist down. <laughs> Keeping the quarterback clean again. No sacks. Running for 214 yards. Owning the line of scrimmage. I mean, I feel like that's kind of the violence that we've all been looking for a little bit. And um, young black out there. He uh, yeah, he's got a little toot to him. Got, yeah, he he, uh, he was finishing some dudes. Set set the tempo early on and. Uh, I mean, it was great to see that that line of scrimmage be moved back and defensive uh, TCU's defense getting moved back and Iowa State's O line kind of taking it to them and um, produced some great, great big runs. And Abu Sama's 55 yarder, I mean, you can't beat that. Can hey, you? go Rams. Yeah. Uh, but Sally's Polk. And the nice thing is, this is the first game that teams have had to game plan for Iowa State's passing offense because mm-hmm. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, if you're Oklahoma, you look at the you know three or four prior games and there's Oklahoma State. And you're like, okay, well, maybe that's that's probably what we're going to get. We're not super sure. And then you look at the games before that, and you're like, well, that's Ohio. Well, that's not a great indicator of success. And they're going to run the ball on tight ends. And you look at Iowa, and it's like, oh, they're going to run the ball on tight ends. So the three previous games, you only have one where Iowa State's throwing the ball. So if you're Oklahoma, you prepare sort of like 50-50. Well, against Oklahoma, Iowa State has, especially in the first half, and again, it's a young team playing on the road. In the second half against Oklahoma, it's sort of like, like I said it before, they're trying to score 20-point touchdowns. You can sort of discount that. So the majority of the game against Oklahoma State, throw it for 350 yards. Against Oklahoma, they have these huge passing plays. So TCU, this is the first time that a team has had to prepare against Iowa State for the fact that they have a competent passing offense. Look at how much space there was for the running backs. Look at how many less safeties are playing down at five yards because of how much they're able to throw like this is the truer picture to me of what the offense is and is going to be than what we saw in the first three or four games now that it's had a chance to morph a little bit so man offensive line play much easier to do when you have less people to block and I think I mean coach Schillhouse, he's settling in a little bit now you know what I mean we saw his offense there's big plays all over the place and um, he's able to systematically move the ball around. He's able to change formations. I mean, how many times did we see three guys come in, three guys go out, changing that personnel to to make the defense react? And um, I just think it's awesome to see the success he's starting to have because he's he's a great dude, and um, you know he's just one of the, one of the great young minds in college football. And I really do believe that. 
Um, but man, oh man, see Eli one yard short of a hundred yard rushing game. I mean, <laughs> just give it to him, man. We need to feed him one more. Come on, coach. Just one more. Right. But Look, if you're an Iowa State fan, the hits are always going to keep on coming. That's if that's the hit from that game that we got to take that he couldn't get to 100 yards, we'll take it. Yeah, that's the da- that's the downside yeah. is that Iowa State runs for 214 and one guy is just not. It's just the fact <laughs> that he didn't get it. Absolutely. Could you Absolutely. Guys, so when that game was announced last year and it was like, um, I don't know, in the annals of like an Iowa State.edu link was when they announced they're going to do the Jack Trice uniforms and everything, and we're kind of, like, reading through it, like, oh, they're doing alternate uniforms, and they're playing, oh, that team that's going to the national championship. Okay, cool. That'll be fun. We'll see uh, what they turn out to be. I don't think it could have gone as more of a picture-perfect day throughout all day Saturday. Perfect tailgating weather, perfect game for what you wanted to see out there, and the the uniforms look cool. I like your guys' better, uh, but these ones didn't fall apart on the field. I like that about it. Well, that and uh, I think the helmets are just the cleanest helmets that I've seen. Oh, yeah. Those helmets are sweet. Clean. Do you guys want to see them like wear that as an alternate helmet regularly? I think it'd be cool. I, I think it'd be, I think it'd be great too. It's just, it's different, you know, the aims. Yeah. It's a <laughs> solid, you know, be there's known no, as the there's aims. no way that guy didn't just, he no research, zero. He, no, 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 no. I think he just misspoke. Or like, I think the school, like, they used to go by aims. Is I think what he was trying to say. The I think he misread a teleprompter. Well, well, now don't do that. In, it's in the internet. Now it lives forever. Because <laughs> you got to go to an amount of googling to find. I guess Ames was in the helmet. I don't know. Who yeah. knows? I I don't like claiming a guy worked hard or didn't prepare. But um, no. But the actual game, like in my column about this on Saturday, was all about it. Was last year Iowa State would drive down the field, show that they can move the ball really well against the defense, throw a bad interception, and now your backs are against the wall again. That's what TCU did this week. Mm-hmm. And like the struggles Iowa State had that other teams would force them into making mistakes. Iowa State did that to TCU. And I thought it was if you watch every Iowa State game, you've been waiting not 18. Well, probably somewhere around 18 games to see Iowa State do that to a different team rather than have it be done to them. And they haven't really done that to a team since uh Purdy and Brees Hall's senior year. And I thought, you know, if you're an Iowa State fan looking for the process like that's exactly what you wanted to see yeah i think it was great just to see the four turnovers i mean when you talk about football and you can win the turnover battle that significantly then you do run the ball and then you do you know what i mean like score is 14 to 27 but i mean we can ultimately say that that felt a lot bigger of a gap there than that that was a lot more convincing of a win than a 14 to 27 win and uh that's something that's exciting um you know missed field goal uh long field goal um but other than that everything Special teams wise felt pretty solid. Everything and th- throughout the whole game really felt like Iowa State was in control. Yeah, the only time when that wasn't true, at least like early in the game, TCU had a few. I mean, th- their first drives were 33 yards, 63 yards, 19 yards, and 78 yards. So like right away, their first four drives, they moved the ball down the field, but that also ended in interception, interception, uh, turnover, turnover on downs. downs, and then they finally scored a touchdown in the third drive or in the fourth drive, but the, the first part of the game, it was sort of like, oh, all right, the, the TC, I mean, Morris is going to make some plays. Imani Bailey was, that dude's going to play in the league. Solid player. So like the first part of the game, it was sort of like, all right, Iowa State's defense, uh, they're, they're still reeling a little bit, trying to figure it out. And then from that point forward, how the drives ended, 
Uh, it was a four-yard drive punt, four-yard drive punt, nine-yard drive punt, negative three-yard drive punt, 37-yard interception, 56 yards on downs, 35 yards interception. So like after the first three or four drives, the professor's gambit kicked in, which is you know the term that Jared and I would use when we were talking about how Iowa State will play fairly vanilla for the first couple drives to yep. see how their the opponent's going to attack them and then crank the ratchet on whatever you want to do and then turn it off. So yeah, the, after those first three drives, TCU didn't do a damn thing, and Iowa State was able to just consistently move the ball. So yeah, as far as the completeness of game, running game worked, passing game was as efficient as it needed to be, uh, defense worked. I mean, four t- four turnovers plus a blocked punt on top of that. There's uh, TCU had twelve drives, they had two turnover on downs. So if you add those as turnovers, seven of their drives ended in turnovers of turnover on downs, turnover on downs, blocked punt, four interceptions. Like that is a hell of a way to just slam the door on every one of the drives that TCU had. And I think you got to give some sort of shout out to John Haycock for adjusting after TCU loses uh, Chandler Morris, their starting quarterback. You kind of spend the whole halftime making adjustments to attack him in the second half. And all of a sudden you're facing a guy that no one had really heard of. You had no no real clue who the guy was. I feel like just consistently Coach Haycock goes out there and, wow, what what he does to a team in the second half. Like, you, you kind of like you said, he's a little vanilla early on, settles in, and then, like, once he figures out his one thing, I feel like there's not many better, better in the game of calling a defense to say, like, hey, I know exactly what you want to do, and I drew up the perfect play for it consistently. Yeah. Like, yeah. as far as, like, teams being able to score in the second half, like, it doesn't happen all that often. I mean, what Oklahoma put up 10 points in the second half. It's a high-flying uh, offense yeah, that points. put up 40 in the first half, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, like, Coach Haycock gets a little bit of time to talk with his coaches and um, make a little bit of adjustment, and I just he, – he he shuts teams down consistently in the yeah. second half. And the thing that the, – the, uh, the, to me, the two things that happened I, – I guess I haven't watched – you know, it's, it's way easier to watch game film to have an idea of what's going on, but the two things they did where <laughs> one was more of, like, an emotional thing where, like, tackling was pretty bad in the first quarter, quarter and a half – uh, and then they got like a pretty solid ass chewing to be like, hey, do better. Because tackling, if you're getting there, that's not a scheme thing. That's like, do you have the right attitude? Is your brain ready to tackle? And so that's sort of like getting an ass chewing to get them tackling better. And the second thing is the, the most of the plays that hurt Iowa State outside of missed tackles were street ball plays. Like it was straight just Chandler Morris busting two tackles in the backfield, running around, running around, running around, running around, throw a touchdown, run around, run around, run around, get a first down. And so they started spying more aggressively. And as soon as he would break the pocket, they essentially gave him the Mahomes treatment. Cause when Iowa state kicked the shit, when you guys kicked the shit out of Patrick Mahomes, that's what you guys did is there's, I don't remember who it was. It might've been Mike Rose or Orion, somebody was playing just a, a hard spy where playing over the ball. And as soon as the quarterback breaks the pocket, you're running right at his upfield shoulder. Because if you're running at his upfield shoulder, he's either going to throw it or he's going to try and take it down and run. And if you're taking down to run, and at that point you have the rest of the cavalry come to, to stop him, then street ball can't happen. Or it's much more difficult for street ball to happen versus if you only rush three and drop eight and you don't spy anything or you're playing man all over the place, he can run around for 15 seconds and find somebody that's open. So they forced the issue on Morris a lot more than I think they did in the first little bit and they tackled better. Like those two things... I'm sure there's plenty of other stuff, but those are the two th- main things that just they that Haycock switched that made it so they couldn't street ball their way down the field. And then if, once you get tackling tightened up, I mean, it's the, I, I think TCU had 43 yards in the third quarter. Wow. Not great, Bob. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, 
I like it. I love how we started with defense. I feel like most podcasts always go straight into what the offensive productivity is. But great running game on Saturday, right? Something we've kind of been wanting to see for a while. Do you guys remember that it's we're six games in the season and Jake Remsburg, I think, is eligible on Saturday? Yeah, that's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting for him, exciting for, for Iowa State. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they handle that. Obviously, uh, the offensive line went out and played a really good game against TCU. Um my, my gut would tell me that he's probably going to get some sort of action and see what he can do and see where he's at. But uh, clearly they've that, that offensive line is starting to mesh pretty well. Um, but, you know, you just got to think a guy that's played a lot of football like that's at some point going to gonna find a way to crack the lineup at some point. Yeah. Do you think he's going to come in at uh, my guess is left tackle? Do you think that's where he's going to probably be? Come on, your Colin, guess you're is good as mine. Colin, you're supposed to have <laughs> all the answers. I would say yeah, but I, I, I don't know that. I don't know. I haven't. Haven't heard anything on it, that. Do you think the way that, and I know you didn't play under him, but do you think the way that Clanton coaches that it's still easy to plug and replace an offensive lineman, or is there a lot of chemistry that goes into being in that starting five? I mean, I think we've seen some plug and play a little bit this right. year. Right, I'm not, and Especially, I'm not trying to say we yeah, haven't either. Yeah, at the right, at the right guard, left guard spot a little bit too when Hufford's moved around. But uh, no, I, I think that he's going to prepare everyone. I mean, it's a consistently thing that you had at Campbell, like, hey, we're going to play the best players and play him how we need to play him so um certainly there is there is a little bit of uh continuity that would go there and guys playing together and, and making everything work out but um uh, jake's played enough football those guys hufford and J- if he goes in at left tackle he hufford and uh jake had played next to each other before and um, both guys who've played a lot of football so I, I i wouldn't think it would be a huge um huge deal but i mean i guess we're gonna Gonna have to see on Saturday. I'm also interested to see, especially because Remsburg missed all, pretty much all of last year, didn't he? Yeah, he's because he had a broken he's, hand. He's battled the injury bug pretty bad. So I, th- I'm gonna guess that they're probably not gonna. Th- it, so you know, Remsburg being eligible, you have game by week Baylor. I'm gonna guess he's gonna see 20 snaps this week because he's been off for like 18 months. Like dude hasn't played a game in yeah. a year and a half. So you're not gonna be like, all right, offensive line who had their best game of the year. We're firing a guy, yeah. pick anyone. We're firing yeah, a guy right. to put a guy who hasn't played in two years. So, like, that's a disservice to both the offensive line that's there and also to Remsburg because he's not going to perform as well this week as he will in week 10 because he's even if he. So, I, I, I heard, I don't know how, like, I think he's shaken up a little bit, but like, just on a like practicing, I don't know, some, whether I don't know, something happened, might not be. What are you reporting here, Jeff? No, nothing. Um, but so he's going to play, but you're still have, even if he was 100% just dead, fully healthy, he's just chomping at the bit to go putting a guy in for like 75 snaps in a new offense on the road is a little bit of a disservice to that guy who hasn't played in a while. So I'm going to guess they'll probably run out their same starting five. Then once you get an idea on game flow, then you put in Remsburg for a drive or two or alternate drives for a little bit with him at left tackle. And then, so you go Remsburg at left and then across the way. And then the next drive, you put Remsburg at right tackle and give Miller a break and then whatever. I doubt he's going to play guard. My guess is that he wouldn't, but maybe but like i would guess he's gonna play in spots and i'm that if i'm coaching and trying to get him back in the flow i have him play 20 to 30 snaps give him the bye week to watch the film understand what went on see how everything feels and then assess for baylor were those good snaps or those bad snaps if he just balled out on those 20 to 30 snaps then you're going to give him the lion's share come baylor with whomever but if it was a little bit rough and still rusty then maybe you take that from 20 snaps to 35 snaps and then 
by the time the next game, like Kansas rolls around, you're like, all right, he's ready to go mm-hmm. for four weeks in a row. So it's not like he's this white knight that's going to come in, plop him down, and everything's going to be great. Like, he still does have to get back in game shape. He's Absolutely. a, a Western Wayne Valley athlete. So you can basically rely almost on him as for good, anything. Just almost so as know. good as the east side of the east ah, side. And he's a prideful dude. He loves the Cyclones. So you know he's going to come out there, be ready. Senior season, like, you know, had to deal with a lot. I'm sure he's got some built-up... Uh, uh, emotions that are ready to come out, uh, ready to come out and play football again. So I would say too, the the last six games on the schedule, I think the next like for him to come back and ease his way into this rotation, this is the exact right like opponents by week placement, everything that you would want at this moment in the year is set up pretty well for Iowa State. So it's Cincinnati by week at Baylor. At home against Kansas, and yep. then is it at BYU? At BYU, Texas, then home against Texas, and then, at then finish State. at Kansas State. So we, yeah, we memorized the schedule, boys. Only took us six weeks. We and got you it guys down. did it really well. I was just pulled it up to look at it, and <laughs> spot on. I just remember because my my grandpa's from Topeka, Kansas, so he might come back up for the Kansas game. So I have that one. I know where that one's coming from, and then the Texas <laughs> game is at some point in there. So I don't know. It th- yeah. This is. Does it change your expectation based on how Iowa State's played? Uh, for obviously against to TCU from Oklahoma to you, TCU. For, no, from Oklahoma to from basically Oklahoma from Ohio to now. Well, yeah, does absolutely. that change your expectation, especially in light of the TCU game? What the back half of the season can or will be? Absolutely, I would say from Oklahoma to TCU that changed my expectations. You had to win that game if you really want to expect to go to a bowl game. You had to win that TCU game, I and mean, you have to go out and beat Cincy this week. Yeah, and I I feel like the the bowl game threshold to me feels low. You know, like if you get to six, you'd be that's cool. But I think that still would feel with the amount of improvement you've seen. Say the line, Jeff. Huh? Bullshit programs care about six and six. There you go. Yeah. Uh that's so, a quote, by the way. I'm not cussing I know, on the show. That's from no. I mean it is a swear, but uh that but it feels like that is that's that standard of success. It'll be it'd be nice, you know, everyone would be happy with going to a bowl game, but it feels like especially with the, the the how the Big 12 has played, that you look at Cincinnati, it is as inconsistent of a team as you can play. Winnable game. Winnable game. You look at Baylor. Even more. Baylor, especially as, depending on what happens in the next couple of weeks, Baylor might be just totally like, F this. Checked out. Completely checked out. Then you look at Kansas at home. Uh, Kansas at home is a game, it's going to be a tough one because uh, it's a tough one, but... You're, game. What, do you, what do you think that the the coaching staff's going to take from last year to this year? The amount of stuff that they had to handle last year to this year, that is going to be a circled game. Then you have BYU. That's a, I mean, it's in Provo. They're a fine team, but that one feels like sort of tough because it's a hard game. I don't know where they're going to put it. Then you have at home against Texas. Going to be Texas going to be coming into a hornet's nest at that point. Are they good? Sure. But Jack Trice is going to be absolutely hopping and hopefully it's cold because texas boys do not like the cold yeah and the fine then the final one would be at kansas state and we've seen that kansas state is very hit or miss on what's Mm -hmm. going on so like to me you look through the back half of this year i don't if i said iowa state went four and two in the back half of the year you'd be like yep yeah makes sense you know so it doesn't feel like you know six and six and be like you gotta win every this if you don't win this one bowl game's gone Mm -hmm. like it doesn't necessarily to me it doesn't feel like that uh, but it does feel like every game from this point on, the, on uh, this from from this point down the road is winnable, including Texas, because who knows what Texas is going to be like when you guys beat the shit out when Brees was there. 
uh, they so they checked out so hard, and that is a Texas thing to do. They've done that forever. Well, and it, it's going to be cool. I mean, it's late in the season. They always start off the season. It seems like they start season off hot, and then holy buckets, adversity strikes, and all these dudes who've always been the best kids on their team all of a sudden have to be punched in the face, and it's like, what is going on? And then it doesn't matter because now you lost two games, and now you can't win the. You're not going to win the conference the 12, outright. Yeah. And the, well, I don't care, and this is stupid. They're going to the SEC. We're SEC football. Blah blah blah. Like blah, it blah. feels like there could be. Their people could be off the train by the time Texas gets here. So it's not like all six games the back half of the year, to me, are winnable games. And I think that this team, like how they looked on Saturday, you're like, okay, that team is definitely a team that should go out and, and go win a bowl game. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't think it's like I'm not calling Cincy a must win or anything like that. But I do think there is something to you know, what have we seen from these big 12 teams that like we kind of know what to think right now, but we're probably still two weeks away from really having a great idea of who everyone is. Yeah. Well, and Kansas looks really, I mean, they haven't really missed a step. They were in that Texas game late. That score looks really bad for what well, it they haven't had Jalen Daniels. So that too. Uh, their defense is also trash. And What's so, wrong with him? I think it's a back injury. And so it's like that. He missed like first game of the season too. Yeah, I think it's a back injury. There's, which there was a rumor for a couple of days. I I've opened the investigation book a lot this year. Uh -huh. uh, I closed this one because I couldn't find anything substantial on it. But there was a rumor that he heard it doing like an ad, throwing a football over the outside of the stadium. <laughs> oh my god, that, that Could is. Could you true. imagine NIL being like <laughs> the oh, reason that like the one of the best players in the conference is out? One of the first times Kansas has like a formidable, really good football team, and the. Oh boy, that would be yeah. That would, that would not bad. send a make a coach very happy. That could be completely fake. That was there was two big college football Twitter accounts. I can't remember the guy's name. Jim Weber, I think, was one of them. But I couldn't find anything beyond those two tweets. So wow. <laughs> what a stupid way to get hurt. Good story. If, if not that is else. true, yeah. Like yeah. for a coach to fuel their fire, I'm be like, don't do nil or whatever it is. Um, but the Cincinnati game, it feels like so Iowa State is over on the road. They have. And they've looked really bad. I mean, the Oklahoma game, they started out decent, but and Oklahoma's good, but I don't think I don't think Oklahoma is fifty to twenty good. I think their Iowa State saw the road team and played very poorly. So this is they're they're gonna ha need to figure out how to win on the road. These next two games are gonna be good possible opportunities to win on the road. So then when you do get to like another hornet's nest that is gonna be there, the Kansas playing at Kansas State is always really hard. So Winning, uh, figuring out how to play on the road now means that you can go to Provo and you can go to Manhattan and actually win there because these next two games are going to be easier road trips, relatively speaking, than the other ones. So, yeah, this is a, an important learning game. And if you can figure out how to win on the road here, then it bodes well for the rest of the season. It'd also be nice if players weren't sick when we go to Ohio this time. True. Please, someone nice. wash yeah. wash the food. Uh, I, so that wasn't food I know, it was a, yeah. it was a it, virus it, thing. Okay. But like, still, just wash the food. <laughs> just make sure, make sure everything's cooked. Don't leave cooked. it to any. Yeah, don't leave it to chance. <laughs> everything don't leave it to chance. Medium well. Don't leave it anything <laughs> on, the, on the rare side. All right. So I got an exercise for Jeff. Colin. You can join in too. Just imagine you're on the Cincinnati football team. Okay. So you start the year with a win over Eastern Kentucky. Blow out win FCS team. Whatever. Woo. You beat Pittsburgh, who is one and four. You beat them by six points. Woo. Then you're at home against Miami, Ohio, losing overtime. You. Take Oklahoma at home, lose by 14. That, and then the week after you lose at BYU by eight points again, then you're on a bye week, then Iowa State's coming to town. The best performance you've had all year was that Oklahoma game you lost by 14 points in. 
and you're on a three-game losing streak going into a bye week, nothing to celebrate for the past month. What is the morale going into this game? These these guys are just like us. You look, and they're going to find a bunch of th- they're going to find a bunch of mistakes, and they're going to find the film, and they're going to go, this team. The, the, you you got are you guys scared of this and they're going to find a mistake and they're going to find a mistake and they're going to find a mistake and they're going to show footage of n- missing blocks and not missing tackles and be like if if you think that you don't belong here show mistake 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 to try and build confidence say that yes you actually do belong here so um i wouldn't i would say that it is going to be one of those things that this is their first step up in the big 12 they are on a losing streak but there, I think the coaches, if the coach is probably trying to normalize the fact that you guys are just as good as the other team, which is true. But if Iowa State's able to come out and get like a 14 nothing lead or something like that, or they have these big plays, where it's like an interception or Malik Verdun decleats a dude or something like that. All that kind of stuff happens. If Iowa State's able to be that, no, you don't belong here. The little back of their mind after a three game losing streak, it kind of exists. So if you can tap into that, but if I'm Cincinnati, you're, you're essentially, you guys are the same as these guys. Don't think that they're any better than you. All you have to do is execute. And if we play our game, we win the game. Coming off a bye week is tough too, especially with three losses before that, because it's like, as a coach, are you grinding the dudes in the ground being like, we got to get better. We got to get better. We got to get better. Like details, basic things, fundamentals opposed to like, Hey, we're gonna We're not going to game plan for an entire week. We're going to work on our football. Or do you, you know, Hey, let's, let these guys recover a little bit. Like, yeah, we're one and three or whatever the heck they are and uh, get healthy, get their body, get the energy back, everything like that. So it'll be kind of interesting to see if they're ready to go from the jump, if they had some time off or if they really, you know, said, Hey, we're going to get back to our craft and, and do it. So um, sometimes they can spend so much time on them themselves that they forget how to game plan. So um, Iowa state's coming off a big win. I just hope that we keep it moving. Some some young guys got a lot of playing time, um, and I think it'll be a great opportunity for us to go out there and say, Hey, you're coming off a bye week. You guys are a little bit sluggish. Um, haven't played football for a week, jump out to that big league, kind of like we talked about. And then that little bit of doubt in your back of your mind starts to creep in. And, um, you know, we go and cruise into Cincinnati and have a good time and come out with a win. Yeah. And I do, uh, one more thing from the game on Saturday, uh, Steve O'Klotz is flying around. He's finally healthy. Yeah. I just wanted to give him a shout out. He, he looks fast. Yeah. He he's always. I mean, fullbacks are fast. By comparison, we we have to run. You next always to, throw me under the bus. Like we, I'm going after all of the full. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so people think like, oh, that fullback can run a little bit. Yeah, because he's normally him in space. He's running normally, a ton of routes like he did. Yeah, Saturday. you're normally running six yards and running into somebody, or you're running sprints with the running backs that are like a buck eighty-five. You're like, yeah, of course I'm going to look slower than the guy who's hundred and eighty-five pounds. <laughs> but I just put me next to the linebackers, and I'm going to run even with or ahead of the linebackers, or put me with the DNs, and I'm going to smoke the DNs. Give me a fair shake of comparison that's not against a tailback that's, you know, James White running 4-4, who's like, or 4-5, who's 5-9 and a buck 90. Like, that don't, video don't game, be shocked. That video game did you dirty because I was using was every running back on Iowa State that wasn't you. I, I was a 92 speed on that game. Really? Totally overrated. Completely overrated. On speed. 12 or 11? Uh, the most recent. I don't know. What the most, whatever. The one oh, that was 14. That was way. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of a different game, honestly. Uh, I should have referenced 14. That yeah. was, yeah, I was. Uh, that was way overrated. That I was not 92 speed. Georgia no, no, no. State's my team on. I would say 14. I would like. I, would, I would feel like I would give myself like an 80, 81 speed, 81, 82 speed in the in, if I was going to give myself video game speed. 81 or 82. Yeah. What's your ball Which security? A uh, ball. Oh, 99. Top notch. Top notch. Right. Yeah. Only 100 in the game is Jeff Woody. <laughs> <that one line. laughs> 
Um, no, I, I, this is, uh, Steve-O's, Steve-O's playing well. It was funny, like early in the season, I don't remember which game it was. It was the most, wasn't Oklahoma State? I don't know. Anyway, one of the home games, he goes to block somebody. It was like, it was just kind of a, a kick out block in a DN and he kind of shakes his shoulder out walking to the sideline. And then the next play he comes in, he's kind of holding it up by his chest. And like, you can tell his shoulder was bothering him. And I'm sure it still does, but it's better than it was. And if you can't, I mean, if you can't use one of your arms blocking, Colin, how's that going to go? It's pretty tough. Yeah. So like him being able to be back healthy. I think Tyler Moore it was also Yeah, he put he had he had a couple really nice blocks. I saw him finishing a couple blocks. Yeah. I was gonna mention something about that. That he he that was probably the most physical game I've noticed him have. Yeah, so he's playing well. I think uh Easton Dean, that's the best that Easton Dean's blocked in a long time. So like the tight ends, they're figuring out which guys and which guys are gonna be physical. I think Bramer also threw it around a little bit. I mean he's still kind of a, he's still kind of a toothpick in there as far as like blocking but he's, he's 240 245 put a shoulder into somebody on that sama touchdown mm-hmm. i think it's because the the defense saw 18 in there and didn't think that this guy's going to lead block and so they didn't expect it and then all of a sudden he did and they're like oh shit this guy's throwing it up in there so Which i gave up a 55 yard touchdown yeah there you go so i think the, the yeah the tight ends blocked really well um easton dean i think had his best game as a cyclone as a tight end like he finally played He's fully made the switch from quarterback to tight end. It just took like three years, four years to happen. Right. Um, and then one more guy, Bo Freeler, uh, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week, 11 tackles. That hasn't been talked about enough. One pass breakup, two interceptions. Yep. What a game from him. I feel like he just makes plays consistently. Like I think he's, he, he's a dude that like you could tell like in the postgame uh, little video Iowa State put out, like he was a dude bringing the dudes up, like rallying them around them and um, he's just been consistent, consistent since the time he got to Iowa State, and has made some big plays, takes some bumps and bruises, but he's learned from it and and kind of fold, formed himself into this guy that's going to lead that defense. And um, when you go out there and you get two picks as kind of that guy, and then you have a great game, Big Twelve Defense Player of the Week, um, that that's something that you can rally around and support that dude for sure. He has some leadership traits, but I think also you see him. Uh, what game was it that? What game did he have a interception in the other game? Oklahoma State. Was it Oklahoma? Okay. Yep. So you see him. I think he had a mistake on one of those plays that OSU might have scored a touchdown on. I don't want to say that for sure. But you see him screw up one drive, and he comes out the next drive, and he goes and he gets that interception. And there's, I've played a ton of hockey with guys that if they screw up, they go into a fifth gear where they're pissed and they got to go make up for the team. And Bo Freeler reminds me of a guy like that. And I know it's a lot harder to do on a college football field than it is playing ice or roller hockey growing up right but yeah. he's he reminds me of one of those guys that just fifth gear hits it i gotta go make up for this mistake yeah i also think we should i mean malik verdon like we've talked about it till we're blue in the face yeah chris has done enough of the malik di- verdon tour this week i would too. also like to say that and uh, it's well deserved i feel like i was first on first one on the malik verdon train i mean are you uh, claiming that you're yeah, gonna have 100 we gotta get chris check here to check, the rece- the check the receipts check the receipts aiden I just want to say I had a class with him two years ago, so I was on the hype train. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, so I think the defense functions different when he's in there because of his physicality that like there is, I mean, we brought it up on uh, the kick on kicking it, which is going to come out tomorrow, but there was one play, (coughs) excuse me, Iowa State's or TCU is going towards the South end zone. Imani Bailey pops one out the right side. Malik Verdun gets him down. It's a nine yard gain or something like that. But it, last week in games and he's not been in there, that's a touchdown. It doesn't matter who's in there for him. That's a touchdown. But him being in there allows the physicality 
of like it allows the Iowa State defense to keep the safeties as primary tacklers. And the Jeremiah Cooper doesn't have to be. He can be. But Jeremiah Cooper covers like a corner. And so you can put him in positions where he doesn't have to be in run fit and it lets him be a little freer, lets TJ Tampa be a little bit more in coverage, doesn't feel like he has to play as much in the run. Like everything is better when Verdun is in there and executing. And he still is kind of getting himself back in game shape. You saw him tap himself out a couple times because he's trying to come off a, a, a muscle strain. But like with that dude in there, it allows everybody else to place freer and better. Watching Jeremiah Cooper run full speed and make an open field tackle is one of the most satisfying things. Like he runs full speed and takes those people's ankles out and like plays done. Like he, he flies around. And I do want to ask you, Jeff, how important is it um, when a player taps himself out of the game coming, you know, coming off of an injury, getting back into the swing of things? How important is it to be self-aware enough to know when you need a break and when? Well, it depends on the injury that like if it's a soft tissue injury, which is what Verdun was coming off of. It's very important because like those things, you could be good, 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 good. One, one play too many. Boom. And so when when you start feeling fatigue understanding when to get yourself out like Gary did the same thing like Gary Vaughn was I think I don't know if his is soft tissue but he has a, sh a something with his shoulder and he also tapped himself out a couple times recognizing that like hey if I stay in here two things for himself it's potentially going to put him in a situation where he's going to get hurt but also if I'm not able to go full speed and I do get hurt then I'm hurting the team mm -hmm. so it is better to get somebody in here for me than somebody else versus like I'm going in there and I'm going to, you know, limping around. You got an arm hanging off. You can't really see and you're running at two miles an hour. Yeah, you're tough for being out there, but it's detrimental to the team. So like, yeah, yeah the self-awareness of being able to say, hey, I need I, I, I got to get somebody else in here for me. Like that's an important it's an important thing for his own recovery and the rest of the defense to be on track. Yeah, for sure. Um, Colin, your uh, your buddy had a pretty good game on Sunday night football. Brock, yeah, he balled out. Brees did do, I mean, you look around and Iowa State's kind of the, I saw some some tweet or something like that, and it was like a picture of Brock handing it off to Brees, and it's like crazy to think that these two two, two dudes played together in college. Like, yeah, they were pretty special. I like think they they're both made, up in the running for close to, I mean, obviously Brock is going to be higher than Brees is because of position and the stats that Brock is putting up. Comeback players of the year. Yeah, come. I think either one's gonna be a comeback player of the year. I yeah, think, you can. I mean, Brock co might, co comeback player. Brock of the year. might he be the MVP, and Brees might have to play. Might have to just settle, settle for, for comeback, comeback player, player of the year. Of the year. Right? I, I sent out a tweet Sunday because a lot of people last week were calling Brock the uh, the checkdown merchant, and I said I can't okay, wait. I can't win. wait to see these same tweets. Like he'll be ho hoisting up an MVP trophy, and the old guys in the room are gonna be like, "This award means nothing these days. There's no integrity to." To this they gave it to a system quarterback and yeah it's every, just, it's every funny. quarterback's a system quarterback yeah it doesn't matter like that's why you, you know you these big Tom brady is like the ultimate system quarterback right they just you just build a system around that guy then like they, okay how many super bowls did jimmy win you know like how many games did trey lance win but mike kyle shanahan's been coaching for a long time got him jimmy got him the super bowl didn't necessarily win every single game throughout the year like this you have to have a guy that fits and then you have to coach that guy once he does fit in the system. So yeah, every quarterback's a system quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, system quarterback, Patrick Mahomes right now is struggling a little bit per Patrick Mahomes standards because the system's not working for him. All right. System quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, well, their system. They just pay the refs, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. Not bad. Leading a team. Like you come out and see Trent Williams come out and say like, this dude's like, 
the key to our locker room and saying how much of a study is like there's a reason he has a C on his chest like he just goes out there he balls out he takes care of business doesn't get himself into trouble works harder than everyone I mean yeah every system would love to have a quarterback that was like that I also saw there was a, a statistic that which was he is has a perfect passer rating seven touchdowns no interceptions on passes over 10 yards this year perfect 158.3 perfect pass rating. How about the fact that they he had they picked up the first down, deep ball down late in the game or later in the game, and then they get a holding penalty, and then they convert again. Another deep ball right down the middle. Like, it doesn't matter. He doesn't get phased. He throws the ball. There's on one target. of those balls he threw right over a safety. It was some sort of defensive back and just right over his Perfect. outstretched arms. Yeah. The, in that behind the line view, or is that the all-22 view? I don't know what it's really called, but it was – it looks really just cool how it actually got there and looked perfect, looked with ease. And personality-wise, is that like I wouldn't? I know it wouldn't surprise you, but as far as like unflappability, it feels like that's sort of just his kind of personality. Where like if you were to put him in a room with a group of sixth graders or a room with a group of NFL guys, it doesn't seem like Brock's gonna be all that different. No, I don't like, think he's he, gonna get intimidated by the sixth graders for sure. He knows who he is. Like he's comfortable being who he is like he's a good dude like there's nothing nothing to worry about care about other people and and you know like i honestly i feel like it says a lot when trent williams comes out and says like there's a reason that dude has a c on his chest mm-hmm. like he controls the locker room he has say people like him like you never hear anybody saying anything bad about brock you know yeah yeah for sure and then i want you guys to pay attention next time he's playing because every time the camera goes to brock purdy it goes into slow motion like they know he's about to do it and he just does this little head waggle thing <laughs> and it looks so cool like you cannot look cooler than that i don't i i guess i haven't paid attention yeah i know what you're talking about yeah <laughs> it's just look for it next time it'll go to slow motion is it after he it's after he makes a big play he'll do a little tiger woods fist oh yeah. Yeah. yeah i know what you're talking about yeah he's kind of looking head. up to looking up kind of shouting whatever yeah let's go or whatever he's got his head bobbling back and forth does he talk trash at all uh, he would say some stuff, but he just, he wanted to go out there and win. I figured. <laughs> um, Brees Hall though, 22 talks- carries, 177 oh, okay. yards. <laughs> no, I No, I was just going to talk about that. I mean, like, holy crap. Brees looked like he was in college again, going for 177 yards. Over 30 yards, like six, seven games in a row. Well, it's finally nice to see him off the pitch count and like Delvin Cook's all pro running back, but like. Brees Hall right dude. now, like he's a dude. It was so frustrating to see like Delvin Cook seven carries, Brees six carries, Delvin Cook eight carries, Brees not. It's like these dudes are not on the same level right now. Like give Brees the ball and let him cook and let and that, especially if you got a guy like Zach Wilson who has been playing better over the last couple of weeks. But like, how much easier is a quarterback's job when you can just turn around, give it to twenty, and he's gonna get you nine? I like, feel like it's second little, yeah. one because you just give it to twenty and let him do something. It's backwards thinking because you don't want to risk your other star players once that quarterback gets hurt in the first game but you have to exactly you have to there's no if other wanna, way they want to win football games like that team is built to hope that Aaron Rodgers potentially still crazy can come back this season and they have, have to you be done any to, more research on that no okay they have to be in a position where they can make the playoffs and let Aaron get healthy and come back for that to even be a possibility okay what's that going to take to do that your best players have to be your best players one of them's down okay well hey we got to lean on another one a little bit more so well and i think the other just generally the other iowa staters in the room it's it is better Brees is sort of the ticket for will mcdonald getting getting run because the reason why they drafted will 
Will is fine against the run, but he's the best pass rusher that you could possibly find. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're down by two touchdowns, the other team isn't going to be slinging it around. The whole point of drafting Will McDonald was the fact that Aaron Rodgers is going to be on the team. And you got Brees Hall and you have, you know, Alan Lazard and Garrett Wilson and you have this offense and two tight ends with uh, Conklin and, and Uzoma and you got this crazy offense and you're going to be up by 17 points going to the third quarter. Hey, Will, Pass rush. go get them, buddy. Mm -hmm. Well, they they haven't been able to play that game because they haven't had enough offense to get a lead to get Will to go, get loose, which is why they would give him a healthy scratch, I think, in a couple games just because they're playing from behind. Mm -hmm. So he, there's no reason. You need to hold a guy that's a better run, run game defender. That's what you're going to call that person up for. Well, if they're able to get, if Brees is able to do that, like he did against the Broncos, and then Zach Wilson's able to play off play action, and they have to keep a, an extra safety down, and that means he can just not have to read anything, be like, hey, when 17 with Garrett Wilson gets a one-on-one, -on -one, Zach, throw it to that guy. Huck it up. Just, just throw it up. Or Al Lazard gets a one-on-one -on -one against a 5'10 corner, just throw it up. That's all you got to do. You don't have to read anything. And then they finally, you have a lead, then do that for a couple games, and then they can finally be like, all right, let's trust the fact that we're going to get a lead in this game. We're going to pound the ball with the four running backs we have led by Brees Hall. And then Will can go sack the quarterback. Like in order for Will to play well, Brees and the offense have to play well. So like everything has to tie together. When Rodgers got hurt, it kind of got screwed. But Brees can sort of be the key to get it back mm -hmm. uh, to not having the, the Jets season completely fall apart. The, the, the New York Cyclones. Absolutely. And then uh, as far as Iowa State players in the NFL, uh, David Montgomery with another great game for the lions and the because you blocked for david didn't you yeah it's he, cool to see his success like he seems like he's the toughest dude on the feet just oh yeah he just he worked harder than everyone but it's it's just crazy to see like he was so underutilized and poorly utilized by a poor franchise in the bears in yeah. my opinion like still seeing them struggle and uh just like be, seeing him to be able to go out there and be valued like they got another good running back behind him and uh gibbs jameer gibbs gibbs yeah, yeah. and uh like going out there, and I mean, how many touchdowns does he have this year? In four games, he has 88 carries, at least one touchdown in every game, and that's six on the season. Yeah, I mean, like you can't ask for more for production out of running. And he back. missed. He missed a week. Yeah, yeah, he missed a week. Yeah, so he'd have more. Yeah, but he, uh, yeah, I mean, Montgomery, he is, and the thing is, is like that's such a perfect cultural fit. Oh yeah, you know, because it feels like the Campbell or the the Campbell Lions are like bruised knuckles walking yeah. into the black eye, being like, hey. We'll fight you. We're we'll fight you, you again. Are. Let's yeah. go. And like David feels like that is just a dead, perfect cultural fit for it. Absolutely. All right. And I told everyone I would demand an apology from you, Jeff, but you owe me one. No. Yeah. No. I was completely right about the Dak Prescott in the Sunday night football game. I wasn't I arguing against you in that moment. You I wasn't me like a crazy person when I said, did Dak lose his starting job? Well, because I didn't understand what you were talking I about. I was saying he sucks. No, I was saying your sarcasm is, needs work. Yeah, it does. Everyone knows that. <laughs> that was more what it was. I didn't understand that you were joking because Look, you said it's, it's extremely deadpan. It's hard enough for other people to figure out what goes on up here, and I usually can't myself. So that <laughs> no, I'm not going to give an apology for misunderstanding for a sarcasm. I am not in any way a Dak apologist. Don't that is not a thing I want to associate. Are you with. a Dak Prescott fan? Yeah, uh, just huge, huge Dak Prescott as a person. I will say, very big fan of Dak the person. Dak the guy on the field leaves me. Uh, I would say frustrated as a football, just a general football fan, because it makes a lot of money. Sometimes good and sometimes bad. And what yeah, if I told you? Money. What if I told you his favorite color is gray? I don't care. That screams psychopath to me. As why a does that scream psychopath? Is it gray? Who's picking gray? What's your favorite color? Orange. See, not gray. Colin. Is Dax' favorite color gray. He said that on part of my take. He was. They were doing an interview with him and just really giving him crap. I think they compared his name to a porn star before that. 
and they were out of questions for him because he wasn't entertained by it. So he just said his favorite color was gray. Huh. Go listen to that sometime. It's like seven minutes long, and he's like hanging up, and he's talking to his publicist, and he's like, yeah, that, that went awful. That was terrible. <laughs> on the line, they kept it all in. But that's, yeah. I remember Dak for that interview and the three times he's on Sunday Night Football every year, and he just chokes, throws chokes. the game away. One thing that Kirk Cousins said, too, which not great when you're getting correlated to Kirk Cousins most of the time, uh, is to be fair, when you're playing on a Sunday Night Football game, you are playing against another really, really good team. So like mm-hmm. you're you're guaranteed to have at least some drop in performance because you're playing against the 49ers defense in San Francisco and they're pretty freaking good. Yeah, they don't think. Dude, those linebackers that we're talking about the Niners. Freak. Freaks. Warner and Greenlaw, freaks. Absolute freaks. Like legitimately. I mean this in no small exaggeration. Guys like that are the reason I did not try out for the NFL. Can I throw Bosa? into the same oh yeah but i was just saying like because as a fullback i would have to deal with them so i got calls from the, from the cardinals and the falcons on like after draft day to come try out for the for as a fullback for the cardinals and falcons at the time the falcons had uh sean witherspoon who's like those two like fred warner and dre greenlaw and like i don't want to block those you're I, scouting the people you're gonna block like, in I practice it's in pra- i don't want to be a practice squad fullback and have to bro- block that guy all the time and like that those is- two they have two of them there's those two linebackers absolute monster for like i don't think people understand like how much of a difference linebackers like that can make well it's no wonder that both sides of their ball are so good because i mean their their offense is so good because they see those dudes in practice early (laughs) in the season it's like you got to be pretty darn good to at least look halfway decent when you're going out against caliber of guys on each side of the ball that those dudes have can you imagine unbelievable that that team that they got can you imagine trent williams versus bosa and eric armstead in practice like how just heated that's gonna get oh yeah it's gotta be some good uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's gotta be fun to watch heat god i never realized that players going to the nfl probably especially like your attention to detail i should have expected it but i didn't realize like oh yeah i'm thinking about you know, extending my football career, I got to see who I'm going to block against in practice. Also, I was like the high, the ceiling that I was going to get is going to be like special teams guy, which would have been fun. So most likely what I would have been is a practice squad player. Like I feel like in today's game, the fullback is actually sort of on the way back up, but that it's like the use check style model where it's not just like straight lead blocker. That's my game. Like I wasn't, I was a fine blocker, but I was better as just like physical kind of, you know, whatever, like flexible on the field. But my my ceiling was like as a practice squad fullback and maybe an occasional special teams guy active roster, which is, you know, it's a good career, but like your job security is very low and you're running into a brick wall a thousand times a day for practice squad salary, which is not nothing, but it's like 80 to 120 grand, which is great, but it's a good, it's a good salary, but not to snap your neck for league minimum, different story. League minimum is like half a million dollars. Like that's, that's something you'd go for. But like my, my ceiling was pretty low and I was like, all right, my neck already hurts. My back already hurts. My knees already hurt going into this thing. Um, and then I'm going to get maybe a practice squad spot and have to run into Sean Witherspoon like 55 times a day. <laughs> and no thanks. I'm good. Thanks, though. Absolutely. All right. I did 45 minutes of prep work for the show this morning, which was just scrolling on TikTok. My algorithm is all screwed up, but I did find a uh, song from a radio station in New England about Mac Jones tapping people in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> So they were doing, they do this like 10th caller thing. Instead, they so they had someone mix this song up about how dirty of a player Mac Jones is. And they the contest was call in 
and referenced the three other players named in the song, and that was the contest. And the Patriots made them scrap the whole thing. They oh, said, wow. you're not allowed to even mention it anymore. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I don't think Aiden can pull it up if you guys want to hear it. Okay, yeah. Slide that in. I'll have these guys listen to it, and they'll give their takes next week. This has been Football and Random Things. Cool. Go Cyclones. The funniest part about Mac Jones being the dirtiest player in the NFL is that all the Patriots fans tried to defend him when Sauce Gardner explained that he threw Mac to the ground because he poked him in the nuts. The video evidence makes it clear that Mac gave him a good old tap in the sack and reports have it that a bunch of Patriots players confronted Mac after the game saying that he needs to stop with the dirty plays. So this week, a local Boston radio station decided to make a song about Mac Jones which featured three players who Mac nut tapped. Well, if you called in, and remembered all three players, you'd get free Patriots tickets. If you see a whiny brat quarterbacking the team, you better watch out in the pile for a nut slap. Mac Jones nut slap. However, after the first nut slap, Mac Jones nut slap was named, this contest magically disappeared and was replaced by whoever was the 10th caller. Because Mac is so soft that forget the fans, someone from the team put a stop to this since anyone involved with the Patriots has to defend him no matter what. Felger, I got it know what happened with the ticket weasel the other day was that uh somebody over at the patriots call you guys and shut that down uh we're not at liberty to discuss no comment no comment